It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. A strange spiraling white light was spotted in the early morning sky over Sydney with even sceptical witnesses wondering if it was a UFO. They were last seen on the beach with a tall man. And that's the best description police have ever had of him. More than 17 years after Harold Holt disappeared into raging surf at Cheviot Beach, his widow has finally revealed his last romantic words. Gawky, terrifying, mesmerising. That's the way a number of Australians have described their alleged encounter with the Yowie. It's time for the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. Welcome to the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Soul, and joining me is my partner in crime, my sidekick to evil, Holly Soul. G'day. Now, we're continuing on our series. This is The True Stories of Wolf Creek Part 3. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the infamous Snowtown murders, or as people more commonly know them, as the Bodies in the Barrel murders. Now, Holly, uh, you should have been old enough at this point to maybe read about this when it was happening. I was nine. So, no. <laughs> Not really something the parents should be letting uh, kids read about at nine years old. So, I would have been maybe 11 or 12. It was 99, so September 99. No, it wasn't that. Was it? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was in the 90s. Are you? They were I, I the last... Hang on, no, 2001, sorry. Yeah, I was just about to say. I've written 99 so many times for the victims. Yeah. Um, yeah, it first popped up in, in 2001. So, yeah, I would have been about 13. So, that, that, that makes sense that I was uh, reading about this as the internet uh, news had started to become a little bit more prevalent. Uh, so, yeah, this was a big one, I, I think, for myself. It was one of the very first true crime books that I read. It's probably what helped to create this morbid fascination I have with true crime. So, this is this is sort of a tentpole. This is also probably going to be the episode that has the least to do with Wolf Creek, do you think? Yeah, it's probably the least connected, but it is still connected. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, we're going to start diving into this. So, Holly, take it away. Let's start with our perpetrators. Okay, there were four main perpetrators of this particular set of serial killings. They were Robert Wagner, John Bunting, James Vasakis. I can never remember how to say his name. Vasakis. I'm really Vlas bad at pronunciation, so you've got probably- Vlasakis, I'm pretty sure it's Vlasakis. Vlasakis. And Mark Hayden. Now, these guys were all from Adelaide. They grew up in 
relatively poor socioeconomic areas. Most of them were sexually assaulted as children. Yep. I'm just going to lay that out there right now. So a lot of people have always taken uh, with these guys the vigilante angle. Uh, however, uh, if you do have a look at the ways that they did kill people, uh, it's quite- They weren't vigilantes, they were sadists. Yeah, it, it's it's- you know, there's psychosis there. It, it's not... Don't get into your head that this is the Punisher picking up a gun and going out to, to kill people. Even the Punisher himself is a psychopath. Um, he has a moral code. He does have a moral code. Whereas these guys show all the signs of psychopathic behavior uh, from... Especially bunting. Especially bunting. Uh, from killing uh, the way they tortured their victims, killing the methods of killing, disposal of the bodies, as well as petty theft and uh, grand theft that they also got into. They also realized in their MO exactly what kind of people would be missed and what kind of people would not be missed. Yeah, they knew who to target. They knew who to target. So, yes, these guys all suffered uh, some form of sexual abuse uh, when they were children. Uh, it definitely played into who they targeted. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that that wasn't somewhere in there, um, but this is uh, very typical psychopathic behaviour. Yeah. So we'll start with the ringleader, Mr. John Bunting. When he was eight years old, he and his mate were tied up on the bed by his mate's older brother. His mate's older brother called his friends, brought him around to his house, and the four of them abused and raped the pair. And this is all coming, of course, from Bunting as well. So this is Bunting's words. They, these are his words, and I don't believe there was any um, criminal conviction brought about by these incidents no. that they describe. However, I also want to put in there Australia uh, recently went through a royal commission on child abuse in institutions uh, from the Catholic Church through to uh, scouts and uh, YMCA schools. schools. Uh, we've had a, a massive royal commission into the investigation of, um, of child abuse and it has become quite apparent that it was quite rampant in Australia. So keep all of those things in mind uh, when we talk about the abuse that uh, Bunting has described was committed against himself. Uh, there's a there's a lot of probable, uh, just probable circumstantial evidence just based around the era. It's quite probable that he was. However, this is also a psychopath trying to justify their actions. Yeah. So from a young age, even before he was allegedly raped, he was. Animal cruelty. It was just so much animal cruelty. He was killing cats. He was attacking dogs. He was torturing animals. Even if the sexual assault contributed to it, it was not the underlying cause. Yeah, and when uh, we talk about the psychopathic triad test, it's called the McDonald triad. McDonald suggested that there were basically three things that would you know, lead to, you know, psychopathy and homicidal tendencies. One of those things, of course, is uh, torturing and killing animals. The other is uh, bedwetting. Uh, and then you've got arson. But again, this is the problem, though. And I know people don't want to acknowledge this and that they prefer not to acknowledge this. But no matter where you live, there are always going to be lower socioeconomic regions, people uh, who are poor. And the reality is that people who are poor can be bored, stupid idiots uh, who are unnecessarily cruel to animals. 
just because it gives them someone to feel superior to. I mean, you yourself, Holly, like growing up, surely you would have seen maybe a cousin or a relative or someone hurt an animal. Um, all, all of my cousins were women. Okay, then. So probably <laughs> the not- only male in my family is my brother. And the closest he got to hurting animals was accidentally kicking the dog and then crying. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I I grew up in uh, rural Australia, so you see that sort of shit a lot. And it usually comes down to people who uh, are- Drunk, bored, or high. Yeah, pretty much. That, that's what it really comes down to. Um, but yeah, this is one of the uh, the first parts of the McDonald triad that Bunting is displaying. John Bunting moved from far north Queensland down to Adelaide and he moved into the house with a man called Mark Hayden and with Robert Wagner. Now, Mark Hayden was only peripherally linked to the murders because he hired the bank vault that was later used as a hideout. Um, But Robert Wagner was a massive part of the murdering main triad, we'll call them. Robert Wagner came from a very troubled home. He fell into a relationship with a grown man at the age of 13. uh, And over the course of about 12 months, he ended up moving in with the man called Barry Lane, who liked to call himself Vanessa, and they vanished for about three, four years. Uh, and when they came back, Robert Wagner actually moved in with Mark Hayden, and then John Bunting came along. Now, for a man who doesn't like pedophiles, living in a house with not only a, quote, victim, but the pedophile himself, it would have driven the man mad. Yeah, it that's that's what's sort of interesting about their their points of view on this. I think that <laughs> I think it's quite probable that Bunting uh, was a sexual sadist. I think he got off on hurting people. I think all of them were probably gay. Uh, I think Wagner definitely was gay. I think you know you only have to look at like having a uh, relationship with a man at the age of 13, and the fact that they disappeared together for such a long time. I think Robert Wagner was most definitely gay. But yeah, like, Bunting is this weird kind of dude. He was a bit charismatic. He was able to bring people together. People listened to him. And he also represented, like, hyper-masculinity. He was a neo-Nazi, so anything that was outside the normal was fair game to him. Yeah. So, it's it's really- uh, I think it's probable that Bunting befriended Wagner and definitely encouraged him, like, no, man, you're not gay. Uh, you were molested. Uh, which he was, like, uh, to be in a sexual relationship at the age of 13 is a crime and it, uh, it definitely shouldn't be tolerated. And, you know, Wagner was a victim in that respect uh, that he By was- all accounts- Sorry, you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just going to say that, you know, uh, Wagner was definitely, he was taken advantage of by someone who was older. But uh, I'm, you know, I would say, is it fair to say that Wagner was probably gay? Yeah, it probably is fair to say. Um, John Bunting really liked Robert Wagner. And even though he liked to call Barry slash Vanessa a faggot all the time, he absolutely refused to say that to Robert. So he absolutely loved Robert, but absolutely fucking hated Barry. Maybe slash Vanessa. <laughs> maybe, of course, like we hate that in which we want to 
the what's the what's the term? There's some line, but it's like, yeah, we hate that in which we want to be or something. Uh, they hate we hate that which we adore. Something like that. I think bunting, like bunting for someone who hated gay people, surrounded himself with a lot of gay people and transgendered people. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, bunting. He portrays himself to be the man's man, but. You know, at the end of the day, um, he was definitely, he seemed to surround himself in those circles. I consider it to be along the same lines as the uh, Native Americans and slaves, sorry, the African American slaves and their slave owners or the Aboriginal Australians and their, quote, masters. They're not human, but I'll still fuck them. Yeah, yeah, I get that oppression with bunting. Uh, I think he had his own homosexual issues uh, that were tied up in his own molestation when he was eight. I'm not saying that the molestation made him gay, but it was if it if it happened again. Bunting is a notorious psychopathic liar. You have no fucking idea what the what the truth is. But see. What I'm trying to do is make sure that people are understanding. I'm not saying that people who are molested by the same sex turn gay. I want to make that clear. It, it is a factor independent of early life experience is what we're saying here. Yes, we're saying that the, the way he was treated as a child got wrapped up into, you know, his own sexuality. It got wrapped up into his violence. And, um, and that's when... That's why he considered that... All gay people were pedophiles. Yeah. That's just how his brain worked. Yes, because gay people- uh, So, pedophiles attacked The only him. gay people he knew were pedophiles. Yeah. So, therefore, all gay people must be pedophiles. Yeah, exactly right. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, continue on, Holly. I just don't want people to start sending me angry messages <laughs> don't going- Don't get the wrong impression, yeah, people. It's like, don't get the wrong impression. If you have been molested- uh, and you are gay, it is because you were born that way, not because someone of the same sex molested you. Just yes. want to make Fa that perfectly clear. Factor independent of early life experience. Just keep that in mind. Yes. The last member of the game was James Valakis. Now, he lived with John Bunting, uh, James's mother, also called Jamie, the, <laughs> the boy, not the mother, and both his stepbrother and his half-brother. So they all lived in this one big house and John Bunting was actually in a relationship with his mother. So, you know, he was James Jamie's stepfather. Yeah, so Velasquez is a really sad case here. It's l leading the blind man astray is what I feel. Yeah, look, in, in the film Snowtown, which is a very good Australian film, I'd recommend anyone check it out. Uh, if you have the stomach. If you have the stomach for it. We've, we, we watched it years ago. Yeah, we did. We watched it when it came out. It, I think it came out around 2011. Th it came out in 2011. I think so, yeah. But it's a really good film, a really good piece of uh, Australian filmmaking. However, I've always felt that they did portray uh, Velasquez as this... This unassuming, quiet kid who was just pulled into this whole world. I think that plays a part in it, but Snowtown really, really um, pushes Played that. It up. Yeah, they did. They really, really play up how much of a victim of he is. I think Velasquez was talked into it. I definitely think the Bunting had this amazing charisma with these four men, uh, and he was able to push Velasquez down the road he wanted to go. But Velasquez himself, again, we're talking about another possible victim of sexual assault um, by his half-brother, correct? By Troy Ude? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so 
it would not be hard for Bunting to push this this kid down the down the path. I do. Yeah, he uses the cult mentality, which is using bad experience to build on the guilt and the hominess of the cult and drag them away from the family. Exactly right. Uh, I think uh, so. I do have I do have a little bit of sympathy for Velasquez, but. I also know that Velasquez turned state evidence. He, he was a witness for the Crown. Uh, in the he pled guilty to some of the stuff. He did play guilty, but he got a much reduced sentence. So, you know, when these sort of criminal investigations happen, they usually f- look for someone who was associated, but was not associated to the extent of the other murderers. So it's like, well, we'll offer this guy a better deal so that we can flip the other guys and get them in prison for longer. So how much Velasquez is guilty or innocent depends on how you feel about him personally. Uh, I find that Velasquez is very, very, very good at playing the victim. Uh, I've read the transcripts of some of his interviews and uh, he is pretty good at playing the victim. There were a couple of other periphery uh, people who weren't charged with murder for one reason or another, which we'll go into. Uh, they include Frederick Brooks. Uh, Barry Lane did actually help them at one point. Mark's wife, Elizabeth, and another Elizabeth. I can't remember her last name. She was, uh, she was Jamie's mother. She also helped them in, at a point as well. So there were a lot of periphery people that weren't charged. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. But were known to have helped or assisted in some way. But those were the four main ones that participated in 11 out of 12 murders in pretty much every case. Yeah, it, it assisted in some way. I don't know if they were necessarily... I mean, this is... Well, it's like... In- Dealing with a body, impersonating the person to claim Centrelink benefits, you know, that kind of thing. It's not specifically, I had a knife and I killed him. Yeah, it's petty crime. Uh, It doesn't surprise me, especially when you're talking about people in... Well, mental... Some of them were mentally... uh, Hesitate to say retarded, but they were intellectually deficient, so they were easy to twist and Bunting managed to get them to help him. Isn't, Isn't mentally handicapped... Is that still politically correct? 
intellectually disabled is the term that I kept coming across, uh, so I'm going to assume that's the one we're meant to use. Maybe that's a new one. <laughs> You'll have to forgive us. We don't care enough. The terminology to, changes a it lot. It does. We don't care enough to keep up with terminology. Everybody knows what we mean. When we try and be nice to everyone. That's that's our main goal in life. Uh, so, yeah, and, and this all plays, again, into how good Bunting was. So, if he, he would turn around and say, hey, buddy... Uh, I'll give you 50 bucks if you go in and say that you're this person and bring $400 out of Centrelink. Uh, Centrelink is our social security here in Australia. Uh, if you lose your job, you can apply for Centrelink payments to keep you uh, barely above water. Um, and so, yeah, if someone says to you, go do this, I'll give you 50 bucks. You just bring me back the other 250 uh, and it's all good. I can see a lot of people, especially in this sort of uh, economic background, happily participating in these sort of things and not necessarily being the most horrible people in the world. Um, they Well, not necessarily knowing exactly why that <laughs> Bunting wanted them to do it, you know, that kind of thing. Exactly. So, yeah, these peripheral people um, generally, like the, if the police had something on them, they would have went down with the rest of them, I'm sure. Yeah. So, that's all the perpetrators. I think we'll move on to the victims now. Um, I have them in chronological order of when they were killed, not when they were found, because when they were found, some of the dates are missing. So, we'll start at the top. The first one that was killed was a young man, 22-year-old Clinton Tresize. I think that's how you say his last name. He was killed in August of 1992. He was killed in Salisbury, which is where... Bunting was living as soon as he moved from Queensland. He was beaten to death with a shovel in Bunting's living room. Now, this is um, this is actually relatively mild, uh, considering what would- it was a quick death. Considering it, it was considering what happened to some of the other victims, this isn't that horrible. Uh, it's it's still horrible, but it's it's pretty quick. <laughs> it gets a lot worse. There's no torture involved. Uh, and it seems to me more of a, I, I'm not going to, it's not a crime of passion, but it seems maybe a little bit more spur of the moment um, or maybe. Well, Bunting accused him of being a pedophile and then just attacked him. Yeah. So. And Bunting was probably like stewing on <laughs> this idea for a long time. He was probably thinking about it and playing the fantasy over and over and over again. And um, he, he probably loki himself and convinced himself that was what the truth because he told himself that so many times. Whereas the reality was the bunting just probably wanted to kill someone. And yeah, so well. it's like, oh, you gay guy, you're a pedophile, die. Well, there was no evidence to say he was gay or a pedophile. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was just bunting um, wanted to murder someone. And so he did. Yeah. Uh, Clinton was buried in a shallow grave at Lower Light, South Australia. That was in the backyard of a lady called Suzanne Allen. His body was found on the 16th of August in 1994. It was not immediately connected to any of the perpetrators. So the police uh, left it hanging as a missing person. He actually appeared on Australia's Most Wanted twice, trying to get the case solved, and Bunting was... Quoted as saying that it was his handiwork yep. to one of the people he was in the room with. So this is uh, this is one of the things you're going to see again and again and again with these people. Uh, they're all listed as missing persons. And it's not until the very end that they're actually considered potential murder victims. But you have to remember the remote location uh, that these people are living in. It's just out. Is it South Australia or Adelaide? It's... It's in the fringes of Adelaide. It's in the fringes. It's in the Adelaide. Adelaide Hills. Yeah. So, 
we're talking about, you know, a decent sized area. It's a small town and uh, police uh, resources are stretched pretty thin. Um, yeah, they probably get called there every other day for domestic violence, like Robert Wagner and um, Barry Lane got into fistfights every other night. So the cops probably gave up responding to most things. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, it's really pe- most people are considered a missing person until until their body is found. Until their body is found. That's generally the way policing works. Is it right? No. Is it the best they can do with what they have? I think so. So yeah, that going forward, most of these people are going to be considered missing people. The next person to be killed was an intellectually disabled man called Ray Davies. Uh, he lived in the back of a lady's. He lived in a caravan in the back of Suzanne Alley's, Suzanne Allen's backyard. So uh, he lived there quite in peace for a couple of couple of years until Suzanne accused him of making sexual advances sexual advances to her grandsons. Yeah, and this actually sort of does fall in line with this guy. Um, yes, he was. Um he was mentally handicapped. Uh, how- he was caught performing a sex act on a dog. Like, yeah, I don't need to know any more than they, that. They caught him doing a lot of stuff. Um, like Holly just mentioned, he was caught doing a sex act with a dog. He had been caught publicly masturbating. He was always doing that sort of shit. I give him um, definitely less of the benefit of the doubt on this one. Uh, and it's quite probable that he did make, you know, he did try and molest people as well. Um, this dude was uh, was pretty sexually fucked up. Yeah. Um, they didn't know what happened to him. He vanished just out of the blue in December 1995. However, later on, it was noted that Bunting and Wagner were seen cleaning, painting and selling the caravan. Uh, they And they also went on to claim his welfare payments. It came out during... Uh, the inquest, that they'd taken him off in a car, beated him, crushed his genitals, and then strangled him. Yeah, so this is the beginning of the torture. And this is really the biggest link that you have to the Wolf Creek films, and that is the way that uh, Mick Taylor murders his victims. He tortures them first, sometimes for weeks or months on end, uh, until he eventually kills them. And that is going to really be the only time I bring up the Wolf Creek series, uh, just based on, like, Snowtown and Adelaide, those areas can start to get a little bit deserty, a little bit out backy so the location kind of makes matches up and uh the way that they uh tortured their victims definitely matches up uh but that is probably the last time i will um i'll talk about the links with uh wolf creek but ray davies body was oh sorry you want to i was just gonna say but this is the beginning of the uh mo you know the they torture their victims first um of course always specifically targeting uh you know, areas that are going to be in the most pain. So genitalia, fingernails, toes, um, those sort of things. But they always go after the genitalia first in their victims. And that probably plays into their their sexual sadism a little bit. Uh, Ray Davies' body was found in the back of John Bunting's backyard after the police went back when they found the bodies at Snowtown. So it took roughly four years for his body to be found. The next victim... Uh, was Suzanne Allen. Now, she is actually the only victim that John Bunting had nothing to do with. So what happened was they broke into her house one night because she'd been pissing John off and they just killed her. 
They told everyone that she had a heart attack, but they killed her and then cut her up into so many pieces, it took 11 plastic bags to store her. Mm. Uh, now, uh, it was, sorry, Susan Allen, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, now, yeah, she is one of those, um, she's one of the first murders there that, that don't fit into the profile uh, because of those reasons. It was a murder of convenience. It, quite possible she also knew what they were up to, uh, especially with the, the first murder. And it could have just been a murder of convenience as well. So, all of those things play into it. Um, but, yeah, she's the only outlier, isn't she? Uh, moderately, yes. Moderate. She is the only outlier. She's not the only female that was killed, but she is the only female that was not killed by bunting. Yeah. She's the only person who wasn't killed by bunting. Um, they actually started claiming her welfare payments as well. So, it's not like it wasn't something that did fit in their modus operandi. They just... It just wasn't completely fitting. Yeah. And this is what you could do back in the day. Like, Centrelink would give payments out in cash. You go to the office, you get your cash payment. It was a lot easier to do than it is now. Everything's done electronically. They're even looking at introducing specialized credit cards uh, to give to people. Pay cards, I think they're, they're calling them. So, this is a very 1990s crime. You really couldn't get away with doing this anymore. No, they use facial recognition on your driver's license now, so there's absolutely no way you could get away with it. The next victim was Michael Gardner, who was 19. He also liked to be called Michelle. I bet you can guess why. Uh, he was murdered in August 1997. He, was, he moved in with Bunting for a short while, and that's how he ended up on his radar. Uh, Barry Lane also knew about him, being absolutely openly and flamboyantly gay. So that's why Bunting went after him. Yep. Yeah. When after they'd killed him, Bunting's friend B Frederick Brooks impersonated Gardner to pretend he was still alive. He called people up. He sent them messages saying, "Look, I'm fine. I'm leaving town. I won't be back. So don't worry about me." Now his body was found in the Snowtown bank vaults. He was in the same barrel as the next victim. However, they had to cut his feet off so they'd fit. Hmm. So I don't think they found the feet. <laughs> this is, yeah. <laughs> you laughed at that. That's horrifying. Yeah, that's a horrible laugh. Uh, so, with, uh, and this is where the uh, the Snowtown Murders gets its names from, uh, the name from, or body in the in the barrels. They The perpetrators didn't live in Snowtown, uh, but they just- and Only one person was killed in yeah. Snowtown as well. Exactly. Uh, but what was found at uh, Snowtown was an old bank vault. Uh, what they did, they purchased it or rented it. Uh, and then they would take the remains of the victims. They would put them into these barrels and they would fill it with a, an, an acidic solution. Uh, hydrochloric acid. Hydrochloric acid, which has been... It's either... It will, it will come in handy later, so make sure you remember <laughs> that it was hydrochloric acid. Yeah, it, it's always either hydrochloric acid uh, that does the job or it's lime. So, yeah, they seal the barrels... Uh, and then they put the barrels into the vault. Uh, putting them in the vault also helps to stop any uh, smell getting out as well. So it was actually, uh, and I don't mean to compliment serial killers, it was kind of ingenious uh, until they were discovered. Except for one factor, but we'll work that out later. Yeah. I'll tell you, tell you why it was a stupid plan at the beginning, but we'll tell you that later. Now, by this point in time, Robert Wagner and Barry Lane's relationship had fallen apart and they were beating each other up every night. He was last seen alive October 1997. And it's, it's quite probable that Barry Lane was also, uh, like, 
there's a lot of conjecture about him. He was the gay informant. Yeah, in a lot of ways, they, they reckon he was. So, they reckon that Bunting was always going to murder him because he himself, Lane, was also... Uh, associated with possible uh, pedophilic uh, characters. He himself may have been a pedophile. Uh, Oh, no, he definitely was. Remember Robert Wagner 13? That is true, yeah. Yeah, he absolutely was a pedophile. Uh, So, Lane uh, was kept around, and it's quite probable that Lane was also in on it, that if he kept bringing bunting victims, uh, that he himself would be spared uh and unfortunately ran, i reckon he ran out <laughs> yeah uh, unfortunately for lane he wasn't able to stave bunting off uh what he should have done was uh got the fuck out of there uh, but he obviously wasn't that smart and uh he was eventually murdered by bunting after informing on many many people uh and bringing bunting victims like a good little retriever yeah while bunting and co were torturing him they made him ring up his mother Tell him that he was moving, tell her that he was moving to Queensland and that he never wanted to hear from her again. He, See, Bunting. It, it, sorry to interrupt you there, but in that yeah. situation, I'm tied to a fucking chair and people are like, do this, do that. Like, tell your mother that you're going away and you're never coming back. You know what I would have done? No. I would have not done that. I would have said, you know what? I will call. I will do anything <laughs> except what you want me to sure. do. I'll call mum. Ring, ring, ring. Hey, mum, I'm being fucking murder tortured. <laughs> being tortured, bring help. Yeah, it, it, it's like, look, I don't want to talk. Like, I'm not blaming victims, uh, but there are going to be circumstances where I think people are going to either, they will completely comply and that will lead to their death or there are people that do fight back uh, in some way, shape or form. And it, Joanne Lee's being a, yeah, an example yeah. of the second half. Yeah, Joanne Lees from our previous episode, uh, she was an example of a person who fought back and survived. Um, I think there is definitely more potential, depending on the circumstance, like, I I think Lane was going to be murdered anyway, um, but he didn't have to make it easy for his perpetrators to kill him. Yeah, no. Or at least he didn't have to make it easy for them to get away with it. Yeah, exactly right. It was theorised that Bunto didn't... Sorry, Bunting didn't just kill him because he ran out of pedophiles to inform on. It was also theorised that Bunting killed him because Lane was telling people that he'd been part of Michael Gardner's death detail. Sorry, Clinton Trices? Trices? You know what I'm saying. Keep going. You pick after that. Do you want me to help you out? Yes, please. Okay. (laughs) But it's also suggested that... Lane wasn't just murdered because he wasn't bringing in enough victims for wag- uh, for Bunting to kill, but that he was also bragging that he was part of Bunting's little kill squad. And we see this a, a couple of other times. Uh, Bunting and his crew will murder to shut you up. Uh, and in the case of, um, of Lane, that's exactly what they did. After killing Barry Lane... Uh- Bunting took his car out and drove it around for a few weeks, so it made it look like that Lane was still out and about and moving, and they also claimed his welfare payments, I think, for another six months. So they they got a decent bit of cash out of it, even though that supposedly wasn't the reason why they killed him. Yeah, again, it's they uh, they will call- say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my. 
rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Constantly fall back on this. We are vigilantes. This is what we were doing. Uh, but the the fact of the matter is that um, just like my- They were getting rich on it. The, yeah, <laughs> they, were, they were making money. And that's generally what a lot of psychopaths will do. Um, it, the, it's usually sexual gratification- uh, is one of the big ones. Uh, most people don't know this, but uh, a serial killer in the height of their murder spree, uh, as they're murdering someone, will usually ejaculate. Um, it's a it's an unpleasant fact to think about. But um, these pseudo sexual, these psychosexual activities usually result in that as some sort of sexual gratification, uh, and so those guys probably fell into that, and they also fell into taking advantage. Uh, when it comes to money and possessions and things like that, they were really milking these murders for everything they could get out of them. They were using all parts of the animal, as people say. Not a good thing to say during a murder podcast, Matthew. <laughs> I got to so, throw yeah. in a joke every now and again. It's so fucking depressing. You told me I wasn't allowed to joke because they're real people, <laughs> so you're not allowed to joke. This is true. So a young boy called Thomas Trevlin helped uh, deal with Barry's body. Uh, and Barry's body was later discovered in the barrel with Michael Gardner's, well, everything but his feet. So, he was another one of the Snowtown barrel victims. What, I wonder why they recycled barrels. Well, it's the only one that was found with two bodies in it. Oh, it was? Yeah. wonder if it was just laziness that night, where it was just like, ah, maybe- fuck it. I, I couldn't be bothered getting another barrel. And maybe. Maybe they just didn't have the time to run down to Bunnings. Quite possibly. The next victim was, of course, Thomas Trevlin, the guy who helped deal with Barry's body. Uh, now, this poor 18-year-old kid had very severe paranoid schizophrenia. He was known to run out of the house at odd hours if he heard things, wearing his army combat uniform. I say uniform, he was never in the armed forces. And usually carrying a very long-bladed knife. We had a dude like this in Tumut, like down to a T. Uh, dude was paranoid schizophrenic, uh, would wear his army fatigues. And if you talk to him for a minute, he would be telling you that he was like patrolling, that he was keeping an eye out for the Vietnamese or the Iranians or any, anyone or the Germans. Like he, he was crazy on, uh, war. So he, whatever war he was researching at the time, he would play that into his, um, um, his psychotic delusions. issues, yeah, his delusions, and uh, yeah, yeah, he used to wander around Truman. Uh, so we had a we had a guy exactly like this. Thomas lived with Barry Lane after Barry and Robert Wagner broke up, uh, which is and because he's only eighteen and he was they were together for about five six months. I feel that Bunting saw this as even more justification for for killing him. He started telling people that he helped kill Barry Lane. So that is the absolute reason Bunting states that he got rid of him. Yeah, again, it's another cover-up killing, uh, which, again, it, it means that they're not just vigilantes. Like, they're not just going after the people they think deserve it. They're going after anyone who also happens to cross them. 
uh, or could stop them doing what they want to do. And what they want to do is they want to torture people, they want to hurt people, and these these people could prevent them from doing that. Again, cannot make this more clear. They were not superheroes. No. This one they actually framed as a suicide. So what they did was they drove him out to Cresbrook on the edge of Adelaide, made him stand on a box, tied a noose around his head, and then kicked the box out from underneath him. And then, of course... That was... You can't blame police for thinking that one was a suicide, though. No, it was ruled a suicide uh, on the 5th of November, 1997, and it wasn't actually linked until the bodies came to light and they started interviewing the murderers. So it took about five, five, six years before that was fixed. It is interesting, though, um, even though that, that is what happened, that there was a different way of killing him. Um, they didn't torture him. They didn't stuff him in a barrel. They just left him hanging in a tree. Yeah, that was only uh, set aside for their victims um, because they enjoyed killing their victims. I don't think they enjoyed killing him. I think that was done as convenience. Uh, and they Necessity rather than want. And they did it as quickly as possible. So it just it goes to show you just how um, little they cared for their victims, how as soon as they labelled someone a, a pedophile, that was it. Uh, you were not a human anymore. And it's really weird that they did that uh, because psychopaths generally really don't give a fuck uh, about people in any way, shape or form. The victims are irrelevant. The the age, the demographic, um, skin colour, it, it's really irrelevant to a, a psychopath. They just like to murder. Um, so the fact that they didn't revel in his death, or at least Bunting didn't create the impression that he was. It wasn't a prolonged death. It was quick. It was it was quick. You know, they, they didn't speaking. want to enjoy murdering him. So, it, it's a weird little outlier. Their next victim was Gavin Porter. Uh, he was a 29-year-old who moved into the house with Bunting. If there's one thing Bunting hates more than fags and pedos, it's drug addicts. And Gavin Porter was hooked on heroin. Now... It's, it's funny that, um, that Bunting would have such a, a low regard for... Uh, drug addicts, uh, when he was ripping off Centrelink payments. Yeah, well, he called them a waste of space, a waste of resources, and they didn't deserve to live. That's interesting. I would say the same thing about Bunting. Um, Bunting killed him because he pricked himself on a used syringe in the sofa, and he just went absolutely mental. Or at least that's his justification for it. I would say in the same circumstance, if I'd pricked myself with a used syringe... Uh, I would be pretty fucking mad as well. Not mad enough to kill, but definitely pretty mad. Uh, but as we know, Bunting will say anything to justify his murders. And Gavin Porter was killed in his car, which I haven't been able to figure out the specifics of. I'm assuming carbon monoxide poisoning, but it could have been anything, knowing them. But again, he didn't torture him. No. He only... Torture was only for people that he co- he thought were pedophiles. Yeah. You know, so. Or, or we're just gay. Yeah. Which means that, you know, like, like I think there are two motives there. Uh, either he was molested um, or he was gay himself and was trying to kill the thing inside him that he hated the most. You know, I, I, I definitely think that, that those are Bunting's motives. Gavin Porter was one of the bodies in the barrels. And next we move on to someone you name drop a little bit earlier Troy Yord. Now, he was Jamie Vl- Vlasakis's. 21-year-old half-brother, and Yord molested James, Jamie 
And Yord ended up actually molesting Jamie to the point where Jamie was self-medicating with drugs and alcohol to get away from it. Yep. Uh, so again, this is this is uh, what Jamie said about it. I, I often feel like with these guys, you have to take everything they say with a grain of salt. However, it would make sense if he indeed was, if Jamie was being molested by Yod, that he would want some revenge. And for Bunting, who would easily be able to identify a victim, him himself being a victim, uh, it was Bunting's in. It was his ability to bring Jamie into the fold. Jamie respected Bunting. Jamie loved Bunting like a father. And Bunting, I think, had some affection for Jamie as well. Yeah, I think I think it was a point where he used it in the beginning to bring Jamie in, and then Jamie eventually used it as a justification for killing his tormentor. Yeah, because Jamie was not just involved, like, with these murders, with anyone that's been identified as a pedophile or a molester, they're going to be subjected to torture. I think when it came to Yod, like, his fingernails were torn off, uh, he was beaten, he's, his teeth were pulled... Um, cigarettes to the face yeah i think he got um this is pretty horrifying he suffered but he was the one that had the thing i believe it was rammed up his Mm. urethra no that wasn't him that wasn't him they hadn't got to that point yet um but yeah yod was was tortured so i don't think jamie enjoyed the torture uh but i think he was quite happy that his um his abuser was gone and that was how bunting brought him into the fold yeah. In August 1998, they specifically dragged him from his bed, started beating the shit out of him, and then tortured him. So it was definitely one of those opportunity, we're going to take it out on you things. The la- the next... Oh, and of course, Troy was one of the bodies in the barrel, one of the eight. The next victim was Frederick Brooke, who assisted in Michael Gardner's murder simply by impersonating him and receiving his welfare checks. But again... He was telling people what he was doing, and he was very intellectually disabled, so he had to go. Yep. Again, it's just clearing the decks, and I assume he wasn't tortured? No, he was Mark Hayden's nephew, so he wasn't allowed to be tortured. Yep. So, yeah, you, 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 we continue to see these clearing of the decks. Yeah. And again, he was a body in a barrel. Uh, I think he was the last body in the barrel, so he was the last one. From there, we moved into a 29-year-old, another intellectually disabled man, Gary O'Dwyer. Now, he was targeted simply for welfare fraud because he wasn't known to the guys. They didn't know anything about him. They just decided that they were going to kill him to take his stuff, and they electrocuted his junk. Yeah, see, and this is where it gets a bit weird again. Like, they can't... They don't seem to be able to keep their motivations straight as to what they're doing. I think at the at, at the point of his murder, one, they wanted the cash. So that was the justification for going after him. But it's also a display of uh, Bunting's psychopathy, his sexual sadism. To torture this guy for no reason, uh, it, it- It's not like it would have given them more money to torture him. Yeah, exactly. So. That's just, and that's why, uh, I think a lot of people give Bunting and Wagner uh, way too much credit. Bunting wanted to hurt this guy and get off on hurting him, and that's what he did. That's why, like, people who hold Bunting up as like, oh, he was a pedophile killer. He wasn't a pedophile killer. He was a psychopath. He was just a killer. He was just a killer, just like anyone else, just like Ted Bundy, uh, just like John Wayne Gacy. 
this dude was um was definitely within their league for sure the second to last murder was the only female that bunting actually killed which was mark hayden's wife elizabeth her death actually led the police towards snowtown simply because of the fact that instead of mark being the one to say she was missing it was her brother and the cops thought that was really fucking strange yep and that was uh, at that that point. That's when surveillance started. That's when yeah they actually started doing um, a proper investigation. Yeah, they bugged Mark's Mark's phone, and that's how they found out that something wasn't right with these guys. And that's usually how it starts. It's just that one little slip up. Like while these guys are murdering victims that are not going to be missed, um, they're doing it out. Uh, you know, they're being murdered in such a way that their bodies aren't being found. Uh, they're leaving voicemails for family members. Their Centrelink payments are continuously being drawn. It's it's quite a smart way of of doing it. Like it, it's a good way of of killing your victims and staying below the police radar. Um, it's an illusionary proof of life. Exactly. Basically. Uh, however, when someone dies or disappears mysteriously. And there is a support network around them. Police will investigate that support network. Uh, In most cases, if a husband or a wife is found dead in their home, their significant other, their partner, will be investigated first. That's the first person you investigate. Uh, You clear them and then you start moving down the list. Because as far as people think, I know this, uh, our, our American listeners may uh, think this way, people aren't looking to randomly murder you. Generally speaking, there's generally a reason for it. Most murders, like let's say 99.9% of murders uh, occur because they're a crime of passion. Husband finds his wife cheating, uh, kills the wife and the lover, or a wife is sick of being abused and she murders the husband, or a mother is overwhelmed uh, by her children or psychotic and she murders her children. You know, or someone's after inheritance money. Someone, that's usually yeah, the last factor. That's another one uh, in inheritance money. Generally speaking, no one is coming to get you. Um, no one is is generally looking to murder you. Running into a serial killer is there's even less of a chance of that than running into a shark. And we all know from our uh, our teeth and scale episode how rare it is to actually be um, attacked by a shark, unless you're on the Australian coastline. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, when you slip up and you murder someone close to your inner circle and you do, there is a support network, police are going to investigate. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, after bugging these guys, they then got permission to do surveillance. And then they're watching these assholes go in and out of this bank vault. Yep. And speaking of the bank vault, that's where the last victim was actually killed. It's the only Snowtown physical victim. Uh, this was Jamie Velakis's stepbrother, David Johnson. Now, he was... Jamie told him that he was looking at buying a new computer and could David drive him there to have a look at it? And David said, yeah, sure, not a problem. They drove to Snowtown, and when they actually entered the bank vault, Wagner and Bunting were waiting for them. And he just jumped on him. Now, why did he bring his stepbrother? Was his stepbrother also molesting him, or...? No, Bunting just hated him, even though he wasn't a pedophile. Ah. That's what I've written down in my notes. Yeah. Yeah. So, once again, Bunting being Bunting, being a psychopathic piece of shit. Emotion, not cause. Yeah. (laughs) He was attacked for his money. They kept him alive 
got his pin off him. Two of them went down the street to try and withdraw money. It didn't work. Now, while they were gone, David actually attacked Bunting, and Bunting just straight out strangled him. Uh, When they got back, he was obviously dead. So Wagner and Bunting cut him up and then decided to fry and eat part of him. Oh, see, I didn't... I'd never heard about the cannibalism angle. It was the only one that they actually tried that with, and they tried to get Velakis to eat it too. What? And he refused. Why did... Uh, so, that's coming from Velakis himself? Yeah. That seems really strange to me, based on what I've read about serial killers. They don't usually progress to that point. Though, it, it does look like Bunting was a loose cannon at this point. Maybe he was starting to go into rampage. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Mode. Uh, maybe he was reading about other serial killers like Jeffrey Dahmer. Maybe he and just lost to- his fucking mind. Yeah, I mean, that could be it too. Like he, he went way, you know, he just embraced the darkness that was inside him the entire time. But yeah, that's, that's really weird that they would start... Um, branching into cannibalism, essentially. Yeah, Jamie Valakis said that Bunting told him to put on one of their aprons so they could cut him up. He looked at the barrel and said, he'll fit. But Bunting said, no, no, we're cutting him up. So it was definitely Bunting's idea. Yep. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> it's a horrifying note ended on that, that, that they did um, decide to eat part of one of their victims. Um, that was- We do have good news. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let- I promise we have good news to end, end the actual episode on. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's take it from there. So that's the last victim. Police have been surveilling these guys, watching them come in and out of the bank, uh, and uh, it's time to um, to shut these fuckers down. Yeah. So the cops found them in the bank vault, surrounded by torture devices. They f- like pincers and pliers and stuff. They found them with rope with a bloody saw, which they'd obviously just used to cut up David. They found them with the eight barrels with bodies in them. And when they opened up the barrels to attempt to identify the victims, they found that the hydrochloric acid, far from uh, destroying the bodies like the boys thought they would, had actually mummified them. So they could see exactly what damage had been done to Weeks' victim. Yeah, they used the wrong type of acid. Don't use hydrochloric if you're trying to get rid of a body. That's all I'm going to say. Use lime or quick lime, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, after that, of course, um, the details of the case emerged in early 2011. We basically found out exactly what had happened. And it's something that I think at the time really stained Australia. I think people were, yeah. were 
genuinely affected by it. Um, not since Ivan Milat had Australia have to go through this sort of thing again. Um, I don't think many Australians wanted to have to go through this sort of thing again. Well, the only reason that the details got released and the suppression order was relaxed was because the producers of the Snowtown movie went to the courts and said, look, we're trying to make a movie to honour the victims. We want to know what happened and how so we can give a truthful representation. Yep. And so at that point, the judge lifted the suppression orders. And, yeah. And we we found out about Because generally they don't like... Generally speaking, uh, if uh, murders... If there are murders that are, are really horrific, really violent, they generally don't want the, the public to know about it uh, in Australia. Or just give them vague details. Yeah, you, get, you, I mean, say, you don't need to know. Yeah, like six people were murdered. That's all you need to really know about it. In America, a lot of crime now is televised. Um, there are big shows about it. Um, crime scene photos on the internet. Yeah, you, you know everything. Um, but yeah, in Australia, there still is this uh, idea to try and keep some of those more horrific details out of the public consciousness uh, so that um, I, I think it's for the families. I think so the families can uh, have a little bit of peace and not have to uh, go- Think about what their poor relatives went through at the end. Exactly right. Uh, So, yeah, we we found out about, uh, obviously, all those details. So, in the end, Jamie was the big one. He was the the witness for the Crown. He turned on all the other guys, uh, as did his mother as well. Um, both of Velasquez's pleaded, um, I think his mother didn't get convicted. He got convicted. She died of cancer before they could. Yeah. Uh, she was definitely involved and she knew what was going on. She was probably, in my opinion, she was probably just as culpable as her son. Uh, and her partner. And her partner. She may not have participated, but she definitely knew what he was doing. Uh, but yeah, James, uh, he got sentenced to a minimum of 26 years um, he- Four life sentences is what he got. Yeah. He, so that's a lot of time to spend in prison thinking about what you did. It is. It is. Uh, I, I'm curious though, like he has to, um, he has to serve a minimum of 26 years before he's up for parole. And I can only imagine the police said to him, look, you're going to jail for this for a long time. Uh, however, we can send you to somewhere where you're not going to be found by bunting and, you know, you'll be up for parole in 26 years. And the fact that you have given evidence uh, might help you in your parole case. I imagine that's all they offered him. Yeah, he'll be out in 2027. Maybe. If he gets paroled. If he gets paroled. Um, yeah. it, it is very sad. Like, I think uh, I think Valeskis was dragged into it, um, but we are all culpable for our own actions. Then we've got uh, Bunting. How did uh, how did the chief head honcho do with sentencing, Holly? He was convicted of 11 out of the 12 murders because they couldn't link him to Suzanne well enough to convict him. And he ended up with 11 life sentences. Yep. He will never get out. He is listed as never to be released. And then we've got uh, Robert Wagner. He was found guilty in September of 2003, so it took almost an entire year to go through his trial. He pled guilty to three counts of murder, but was found guilty of seven. So, ten all up. He's also on the never-to-be-released pile. And then, uh, last but not least, is Mark Hayden. He pleaded guilty to interfering with a body and uh, moving a corpse. He, they cancelled all his other convictions because he turned witness. 
and he only ever served I think it was like five years or something for those lesser crimes he was never actually convinced convicted of killing anyone yeah and that's because a jury ended up being deadlocked on the murders of Hayden's wife Elizabeth Hayden uh, and of Troy Yord so the murder charges were not retried when Hayden pled guilty to helping the serial killers dispose of the bodies of Elizabeth and Yod. So that's how he managed to get out of it. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, Mark Hayden should probably be in uh, prison for life with the rest of them. Um, But, you know, that's how justice goes sometimes, unfortunately. All up, they actually managed to defraud, and I found out the total of how much they managed to get off Centrelink. How much? Ninety-seven thousand two hundred dollars. That's not a bad get. That they obviously spent it all because they didn't find it. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. Yeah, they obviously made quite a substantial amount of money there. So this this did have lasting repercussions. There was a short-term economic boost with murder tourists visiting Snowtown. Um, however, Snowtown obviously has this lasting stigma. I don't know if it's as bad as it was back then. I think, like anything, people have a, a cultural memory that slowly disappears over time. You have, like, killing tours that go through there, but they're nowhere near as often as they used to. They wanted to change the town's name to Rosetown, but they never actually got around to doing it. I think there's only one shop left in Snowtown that still sells murder memorabilia, the rest of it's just moved on. Yep, and th- and that is generally um, the what happened. Uh, there was a bit of a stink, however, uh, they did put the bank up on eBay um, <laughs> for a time. It was put up on eBay, and after some public backlash, it was decided uh, that they would just demolish the thing and uh, never really think about it again. They have. They didn't actually end up demolishing it. Someone bought it. They live in the area of the bank, and they've turned the rest of it into a and b Oh, well, there you go, but that doesn't sit any better with me. No, what they actually demolished was the town that the house that Bunting lived in because the South Australian government actually owned the house, and there's actually a retirement home on top of it now. Okay. But, yeah, turning it into a bed and breakfast, um... Uh... They don't really advertise that that's what it used to be. Like, they don't connect it at all because they're afraid no one will want to stay there. Yep. So, it's just a B&B. It's not Snowtown B&B or anything like that. It's as far removed from it as they can get. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I would uh, I would recommend uh, if you're more... If you're curious about this, uh, you can check out the film Snowtown or In America... It's referred to as the Snowtown Murders. I don't think it was renamed here in Australia. I think it's still called Snowtown. Um, yeah. But yeah, in America, it's now called the Snowtown Murders. Uh, that was directed by Justin Cazell. All Australian cast, all Australian writers, and it's a uh, it's a really nice piece of filmmaking. Uh, won a, a couple of awards, uh, but like it a, did stick in my brain a lot. Yeah, uh, I think it's a really good depiction of these guys. But as always, you know. When you're watching something that's fictional, uh, take it with a grain of salt. Um, and like mm, I said- Based on a true story does not necessarily mean it's all true. Which is that, and that's entirely what this was all predicated on. Um, yep. You know, how much of Wolf Creek is based on a true story. So when it comes to the tor- the, the killing methods of uh, Mick Taylor, the torture kind of applies here a little bit, but that that's really where it- um, it all sits. The the snow- the body count and the torture. That's what we're looking at here. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it, it's something Snowtown that will go down in a an infamy 
in Australian history. It's a it's a very very sad case. Um, but they're all in prison now. Um, so hopefully they never listen to this podcast. Even if they did, the ones who would act on it are going to never be released. So it's fine. Yeah. Well, we're good. We're 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 absolutely <laughs> fine. Okay, uh, so thank you very much for listening. Big thank you to uh, our regular listeners at the moment. We are getting some uh, tremendous support uh, from uh, the internet in general, as well as uh, family and friends. Uh, So we appreciate people um, joining us on a brand new podcast, only 10 episodes in, but we're seeing some amazing numbers. So if you're listening right now, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. Uh, This has always been something that's intrigued myself and Holly, uh, and we thought we would uh, get it out of our heads and put it into audio so it's not circling around there anymore like piranhas. Just a, a we want to try and uh, do some shout outs as well. Uh, so if you follow us on Instagram, which is the Modern Meltdown, uh, you follow us on Twitter at Modern Meltdown, uh, or if you follow us on Facebook, uh, if you leave a, a little message or a comment on uh, any of the platforms, uh, you might get a shout out. So we'd, we'd like to do that. Uh, we'd like to communicate with the fans a little bit more, as well as uh, people like uh, Ryan and Adam, who are my friends who have been uh, listening to this. Uh, much appreciated, uh, guys. Thank you very, very much for the support. Uh, do we have the, the, we were looking at the demographics. Is there a city or a region to shout out to this week? Yes. Big, big shout out to Ashburn, Virginia in the US for always being in the top rated listeners, usually in the top three. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thank you very much guys in Virginia and girls. I hope, uh, I hope everything is doing well over there. Australia is pretty crazy, isn't it? I don't know if we're helping boost tourism or not. We'll, we'll find out. But yeah, big shout out to uh, Ashburn, Virginia. All right. Uh, if you'd like to check out some of the other podcasts on the Modern Meltdown Podcast Network, uh, we have the TV Breakdown in which we review TV shows episode by episode. Uh, this week, we've started our review of Castle Rock the new Stephen King series, or based on Stephen King characters and settings. Uh, I found it very intriguing. Our first uh, episode review uh, will be up, yeah, next week, or sometime this week, I think. Uh, So you can go check that one out. Uh, That's the TV breakdown. Uh, We also have uh, the Modern Meltdown podcast. Recently, I've done some interviews, which I've really enjoyed, uh, on the death of Fairfax. That's an Australian media organization. Well, we've got uh, a podcast coming up with uh, one of the survivors of the Aurora shootings. So if you're a true crime fan, which I'm guessing you are, if you're listening to this, uh, you may want to head over to the Modern Meltdown and listen to that episode as well. And we also have Beyond the Words. Holly, what's Beyond the Words all about? Seeing as how that's your brainchild. Beyond the Words, every week we go through a different part of publishing, promoting and writing a novel. So if you have any questions or you don't know where to start when it comes to writing a book, head on over to Beyond the Words, start at episode one and work your way through. Now, if you'd like to uh, see what I look like in the flesh, uh, you can find us on Twitch. Just hit a follow for the Modern Meltdown. Uh, and you can find us on Twitch every week on Tuesdays. That's 3 a.m. in America. I want to say 7 a.m. in the UK and 7 p.m. Uh, New it's Zealand 5 a.m. in the UK, 7 p.m. in New Zealand. <laughs> say that again for me, Holly. Sorry, I talked over you. It was 3 a.m. America, 5 a.m. UK and 7 p.m. New Zealand. 
and 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time as well. But I'm trying to do what I call the Xbox sessions. They're audio only broadcast because I don't have a Kinect yet. I'm trying to source uh, an old secondhand Kinect so you can actually see my face. Um, that one's a little bit more random, a bit more sporadic. I'm trying to do it more often and trying to like lock in a regular schedule for that. Uh, but generally that's going to be later at night. Uh, so there's a good chance for our American listeners to be able to uh, jump in on that. Uh, and that's just where I'm uh, streaming uh, video games at 4K, which I don't know if a lot of people are doing that at the moment. And if you are a fan of any of the podcasts and want to ask questions about the podcast while we're doing the streams, uh, please feel free to do that. That's probably the best place to, um, to get some answers to your burning questions. And that's pretty much it. Other than follow us on the social medias, sign up to the newsletter at themodernmeltdown.net. And that that is part three of our uh, Wolf Creek series. We've got uh, another serial killer that's not very well known. I don't know much about him. That's uh, next week. Looking forward to talking about that. Uh, and then we're going to wrap up this series uh, with uh, the statistics behind Wolf Creek. Uh, and we're going to look at Australia in those sort of generalized terms. And then we're going to do a fun one. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do something that is a hell of a lot less heavy. Do you, do you have something fun coming up, Holly? I'm pretty sure we do. Probably a UFO abduction story or something like that. Another Emu Wars type, uh, type story. I'm pretty sure it was actually the kickboxing kangaroo. Ah, kickboxing kangaroo. Look at that. That's coming up after... Uh, we finished this series, but if you're enjoying the series, and I hope you are, we've got two more episodes coming up. Uh, other than that, uh, thank you very much, Holly. Without you, we don't have a podcast because you do all the research. <laughs> and uh, I've been your host, Matthew Soul. Please stay safe and keep away from bank vaults. This podcast has been a production of The Modern Meltdown. For more podcasts just like it, head over to themodernmeltdown.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.